Welcome to Cancer HealthCast, where science is driving hope. I'm your host, Nikki Henderson. Today, we are joined by cancer researchers, Dr. Lindsay Harris and Dr. Peter O'Dwyer to discuss the future of precision oncology. Dr. Harris, who is the Associate Director of the Cancer Diagnosis Program at the National Cancer Institute, has a 30-year career in breast cancer research and translational science and works with the NCI Match Precision Medicine Trial. Dr. O'Dwyer is the group co-chair of the ECOG Akron Cancer Research Group and also co-chairs the landmark Precision Medicine Cancer Trial known as NCI Match. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure. Dr. Harris, the NCI Molecular Analysis for Therapy Choice Trial which was launched in 2015, was an effort to use precision medicine to treat cancer based on specific genetic changes in a patient's tumor. Can you please tell our listeners in plain spoke language, what is precision medicine and what does it mean for cancer patients? Well, so precision medicine is sometimes referred to as personalized therapy. Precision therapy is about tailoring the therapy to the individual, to what's going on with their specific tumor, matching it uh, to the therapy of interest. And and the relevance for cancer patients is that this is now the movement of 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 the future, where we're going and where all of our therapies will be done uh, not too distant from now. Okay, that sounds very promising. Well, Dr. O'Dwyer, can you tell us about the NCI MATCH trial? How was the trial conducted? Who is it for? And what were some of the results? Yes, indeed. Thank you. So the NCI MATCH trial is a collaboration between ECOG Akron, but also the other adult cooperative groups across the country, uh, of which there are four in total. All of us working together with the NCI to initially develop a study that would be rigorous and would be broad ranging to test the question of whether or not by bringing together a drug targeted to a pathway or uh, and, uh, or a protein in the tumor, a protein that's dysregulated, that's abnormal in the tumor. If you bring the drug and the tumor together where that fits that patient's tumor, can you actually see a signal of activity? And from that signal of activity, can you develop strategies for uh, treatments of patients? Now, the trial was large there were 6,000 patients screened. And even after we screened 6,000 patients, we went on to treat another uh, about 500 patients uh, based on other assays. So uh, in total, there were about 1,300 patients treated on this study. Uh, So it uh, was a substantial study by any measure. 
Uh, the study was conducted across the country. It was open in every state and in Puerto Rico um, and uh, actually had excellent accrual. I think 1,300 different sites were involved. In terms of the design of the study, as I said, we were seeking to match a treatment to a patient's tumor. Uh, and to do that, you needed to have a broad range of different studies because there were lots of different abnormalities in patients' tumors, number one. Number two, there were substantial number of drugs that we could avail of to attack those abnormalities. And what was important is that this wasn't just targeted to a particular type of cancer. It was targeted broadly to any type of cancer that might have this change within the tumor. So uh, that became very important as we considered the results. The key part of this was that because it was early in the development of precision medicine, there were, there were lots of other opportunities that patients had for treatment. And so we did not want to get in the way of standard treatments for patients. So this was conducted in patients who had rather advanced disease. They, had, they were required to have had the standard treatments for their tumor. And that certainly uh, is a factor in the results. The goal of the study was to find a signal. Is there, is there enough of a signal here that by matching a drug to an individual's tumor that we see results that are convincing and that we should go forward and develop further? And the answer was yes. 27% of uh, the trials that we did matching a drug to a tumor, 27% of them were positive and uh, went forward. And even more so, just to add one more thing, two of the studies that were particularly effective, uh, one was the immunotherapy uh, nivolumab in patients with uh, what's called microsatellite high tumors. And the second was a combination of two drugs, dibrafenib and trametinib, in patients who had a mutation in a protein called BRAF. And that mutation was a really important driver of those tumors. And both of those studies had high response rates to the extent that in the second example, the BRAF uh, mutation example, uh, we went to the FDA along with uh, Novartis, the drug company that had been doing studies in this area also. We brought our data and Novartis's data to the FDA and suggested that these data were convincing enough that this treatment should be made available to all patients who had this mutation, irrespective of what kind of tumor they had. It didn't have to be colon cancer. It didn't have to be cholangiocarcinoma. If they had the mutation, then patients would be covered to receive this treatment. That was an important thing because it made available across the country, outside the research setting, uh, uh, treatments that could be effective. And that's the promise of the future, of course. Right. 
Well, Dr. Dwyer, that is amazing that it was such a substantial study, but also that there was success. 27% of the trials were positive. So that is really wonderful to hear. Well, Dr. Harris, according to the most recent data from NCI Match, what are, would you say, some of the key lessons learned? Right. So, well, one of the things that was, was first speculated at when the study started is that the study would be slow to accrual uh, due to the nature of the study being fairly new in the area, the new technology and advanced disease patients needing to have biopsies. All of these were complexities. However, it was very clear after an early evaluation that in fact, the study was going to be widely successful and as Dr. O'Dwyer mentioned, recruited uh, 6,000 patients in a very short period of time, 15 months, which is really unprecedented. So it was certainly a feasible study. Um, we also found that there was a relatively, um, despite efforts to the contrary, there was a relatively low frequency of underserved populations. So less uh, frequent African-Americans than would have been expected in the population, likewise Hispanics. And so proactive outreach is really needed to ensure optimal patient and provider diversity in the future. In addition, rare tumors are an, of an area of unmet need that can be met at least in part with genomic trials. Um, novel trial designs and regulatory approaches are needed, however, because in, in the case of a rare tumor, because of the low frequency, um, it can be difficult to have the sample size or number of patients needed to show statistical significance. A third thing was that a clinically relevant definition of what's called a driver mutation uh, will be helped by rigorous criteria you know, to provide evidence to support the matching of therapy to the mutation. In enabling greater efficacy that way. Um, and so uh, it appears that uh, given the results of the study, um, more uh, work should be done in this area. In addition, circumvention of resistance mechanisms will be helped by intervention earlier in the disease course, and progress will be made uh, by combining approaches of therapies hence two targeted therapies or targeted therapy and immunotherapy to overcome this drug resistance. And then finally, trial design should encompass as many therapeutic options as possible um, to, to, with as many you know, molecular aberrations, mutations as possible, so to have an impact uh, commensurate with the co collective effort involved in such a large study. Those are the main lessons. Okay, thank you for going over those. And I'm so happy for one that the trials were so successful, but also it's cool to hear that all the lessons learned that you also realize that there is a, a need for like more proactive outreach as far as like underserved populations. I know that in many trials, racial disparities are an issue. And so it's really good, you know, to hear that um, 
you know, there was realization that more proactive outreach is needed for those underserved populations. Well, Dr. O'Dwyer, why is it important to consider tumor testing for cancer treatment and, and how does it benefit the patient? So if you go back 15 years, how did we diagnose cancer at that time? And the answer is cancer was diagnosed by getting a biopsy and looking at it under the microscope. And that was essentially what you saw. And we were able to diagnose them because most colon cancers looked like other colon cancers. Most breast cancers looked like other breast cancers. We had specific stains that, you know, where you could stain the biopsies and look at them a little bit differently and characterize some of the proteins. But that was essentially the extent of it. As I said, most colon cancers looked like other colon cancers. We were unable to distinguish one person's colon cancer from, a, from another person's colon cancer, and we were only able to give them treatment according to that diagnosis. And then along came next generation sequencing to detect abnormalities in DNA. And this next generation sequencing is uh, a sophisticated way of looking at millions of millions of pieces of DNA at the same time. It's just extraordinarily powerful. And what it allowed us to do was to look at the DNA in each person's tumor, and in some cases to look at the expression of that those DNAs uh, in those tumors uh, by a technique called RNA-seq. The important thing was now you could distinguish between two tumors that looked the same under the microscope, but that had different mutations in them. So what's the importance of the mutations? Well, as Dr. Harris said, these mutations can be the driver of tumors, the drivers of tumor growth. And so obviously you want to use uh, if there's two different drivers in two different patients, you would want to target the drivers and have different drugs for that those patients because you'd have a better chance of getting a response if it was specific like that. So, so that's why it's important to test. And the number bears this out. There was one result that we got from uh, from the NCI match trial, which was that if you imagine that all of the arms were open all of the time, right? And we looked at all of the molecular aberrations for which we had drugs on the trial. 38% of the patients who entered the study could have had a treatment based on the molecular structure of their tumor as defined by sequencing. That's huge. That's like, uh, and, and that's not considering some of the therapies that have been developed since then. So it's at least 40% of cancer patients can have an abnormality that would expand the treatment options for that patient. 
if you did next generation sequencing. So our recommendation from the results of this study is that patients should really, uh, patients and their doctors should really consider sequencing for every cancer patient, because if you don't look, you're not going to find these. So that's, that's uh, probably the most important consideration for tumor testing of why this is useful. And, you know, the results go along with that. Now, that's not to say that we don't need to be um, uh, to advance the treatments that we have available for each of these abnormalities, but we're at a pretty good starting place as a result of this study. Thank you so much, Dr. O'Dyer. That was good information. Well, Dr. Harris, can you please explain the reasoning behind examining genomic characteristics of all rare tumors since many of the patients with these diseases already have limited treatment options? Yeah, sure. So, well, it turned out that about 38% of the patients approved to the MCI match trial were in rare or uncommon cancers. Uh, we were gratified to see this as we, as you mentioned, want to provide opportunities for those patients. Uh, but the reason that one would continually want to offer opportunities for sequencing to uh, patients with rare tumors is it turns out that the, the frequency of actionable genomic alterations um, is similar among rare versus common cancers. And likewise, the degree of benefit from the targeted therapies is also similar. And we know that because um, nearly 62% uh, of, of patients with uh, rare and uh, common cancers uh, could have an abnormality in a broad screen, um, there's a strong rationale to examine genomic characteristics of all rare tumors, uh, particularly because they have uh, fewer treatment options to begin with. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate you breaking that down for us. Well, Dr. O'Dwyer, where do you see the future of precision oncology heading based on the results of NCI Match? And what are some of the major opportunities for change with the precision oncology approach when it comes to treating cancer? Yeah. So let's go back to the 27% number that I mentioned of positive sub-studies in the match trial. So 27% of them were positive. And so that kind of tells you something right there is that the majority of patients did not have a response to the treatment directed to what was potentially uh, a good treatment for their individual tumor. And I'll also remind you that the patients were very heavily pretreated. And we already know that heavily pretreated patients uh, develop a number of abnormalities that make them less likely to respond to any treatment, let alone targeted treatment. But when we looked in more detail at the sequence of the tumors uh, in these patients, we found that there was a very high likelihood that not 
not alone did they have the mutation that the drug was targeted to, but in their DNA, they had numerous other mutations that we know confer resistance to treatment. So, so besides the driver mutation that we could target, there were other mutations, not all of which we could target, but some maybe. And that appreciation that one drug was okay, we saw results, we got a signal, but at the same time, we recognize that we need more than one drug involved here has led to the next generation of precision medicine studies. And the first of those to be activated is a study called Combo Match. And from its name, you'll tell it's about combinations, combinations of therapies that would address potentially more than one abnormality within the tumor or address that abnormality and try and reverse resistance. And Dr. Harris and I have uh, been working on this for uh, the past, I don't know, Lindsay, is it two years? We've been developing this together and with the other cooperative groups. Uh, and uh, the study is now open and uh, it's open through all of the cooperative groups. Again, uh, across the country, additional uh, sites are accruing to this as we, uh, as we speak. So the idea here uh, is that we will be more effective by giving combinations to patients with, um, with uh, particular molecular aberrations. And I will say that the study also represents an advance over the original NCI match trial in that the qualification of treatments uh, is even more rigorous than it was in the previous one. Uh, and that, I think, is going to greatly increase the chances of success. Okay, wonderful. That is really awesome. Well, Dr. Harris, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And how can precision oncology help improve treatment for breast cancer patients and increase their survival rate? Well, it turns out that precision oncology first started in the breast cancer field. So way back decades ago, we used something called the estrogen receptor, which is a gene that's active in some breast cancers. Um, and this one, we know, helps to drive the tumor cells to grow. Um, it turns out that a targeted therapy against the estrogen receptor in the form of tamoxifen or a similar hormonal therapy has been known to be beneficial uh, and used for many years against um, those sub, that subtype of breast cancer. In addition, uh, the HER2 receptor, another gene that's known to be amplified in a subset of breast cancers, is associated with a higher rate of proliferation and growth and metastasis. And so uh, early on, it was recognized that this mutation, this precision uh, target uh, could, could be attacked by an antibody called Herceptin. 
and so that therapy has actually been uh, also available for a number of decades and in fact has clearly changed the standard of care and improved survival for women with HER2 positive breast cancer. And the field has exploded depending uh, on when you look. When I started training, the only thing we had was hormonal therapy, whereas now in the field of breast cancer, there are multiple, multiple targeted therapies that are focused against specific genetic abnormalities that are used for specific patient subgroups. So there's no doubt that precision medicine is here to stay and that we're all benefiting uh, and most of all, uh, our patients are benefiting. Yes, that's true. That That is the most important thing, that the patients are uh, benefiting and having a longer life. So that is wonderful. Well, um, Dr. Harris and Dr. O'Dwyer, you both are amazing, and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, I really appreciate you talking about the NCI MATCH trial, how precision medicine is playing a key role in improving cancer treatment, and also giving our listeners a peek into the future of precision oncology. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com dot com.